Hey, it's Susan. Quick housekeeping item before we start. We have a guest today, and it's the first time the Sustainable Productivity Podcast recorded with a guest in the room. You can certainly tell by the audio. Stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear the outtakes of my husband, Paul, trying to sound engineer my loud voice back to normal levels. Okay, let's do this. Are you stuck in a rat race of schedules, to-do lists, and other people's priorities? Maybe you can't even remember when the last time you felt fully engaged with your body, your mind, and your surroundings. If this resonates with you, then you are in the right place. I am Susan Sanders, and I'm here to teach you about sustainable productivity. Each week, I'll be coming to your ears with lessons to create a life that you can fully engage with. Some weeks will be bite-sized moments of inspiration and sharing. Other weeks will include guests and more in-depth looks at doing the right things in a way that you can maintain over time. Let's get started. Welcome to, or back to, the Sustainable Productivity Podcast. I am your host, Susan Sanders. Today is the seasonal installment of Literary Life Lately, and we are joined by a very special guest, my sister Ellie. Ellie and her daughters are visiting me in North Carolina this week for fun Aunt Sue camp, so I dragged Ellie to the mic before we head to the pool today. So before we talk books and reading, we're going to start the segment to highlight something that is making life sustainably productive. What you got for us, Elle? Something that is making life sustainably productive is summer vacation. I work in the front office and of an elementary school, and it is very busy there. It's very busy with kids' activities, and the summer is a great chance to try some new habits, drinking more water, walking more, reading more nonfiction, things that I've been wanting to try, and we can see if I can make them productive during the school year. Yeah. I was going to say during the regular times. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but during the, the regular times. Actually, probably more sustainable than productive, but yeah. definitely trying some new things that I hope will continue into the school year. Yep. That's good. And I also know that you rest. I do. Yeah. I, I do yeah. rest. I um, do not get up at five o'clock to exercise <laughs> like I do in the school year. <laughs> yeah. And it's really interesting because I have, have, Lots of people in my life that do work in the school system, teachers or um, administrators or administrators, uh, officers, the office staff like yourself that the summer is very different. So um, I think that's interesting. So thank you for sharing that. All right. So let's get into some book talk. We're going to start general, but don't worry, listeners, we will have specific things that we read before before we sign off. And we're going to include everything in the show notes, of course. So let's start with literary not lately. Um, Ellie, how do you remember growing up around books? Like what core memories do you have around reading, being read to, things like that? I really remember both of our parents reading a lot around the house. I can picture them reading on a lawn chair at the pool. I can picture them sitting in a chair in our living room. I don't really remember being read to, but I know both you and I were early readers. So I suspect that we kind of launched ourselves into reading and then we were selecting books ourselves, and then just curling up in our own area to read. 
Um, I do remember going to the library a ton. We, you know, would go with our parents. Um, then when we were a little bit older, we could walk or ride our bikes there. Um, we would get just tons and tons of books. I don't ever really remember being restricted to certain sections. We could just choose whatever we wanted. We had, you know, big bags that we would fill with books and take home. Oddly, I don't remember where we stored the books when we brought them home. The did library books? Yes. Did we have a special site, like an area of the living room where I we kept them? I don't think so. Like I know in your house, you have a designated space, like library books should live here and this is where they go. So we know, but not that I remember, but we checked out so many. Mm-hmm. How did we not lose libraries? Right. I don't know. I mean, and this was during a time of fines, so I'm sure we would have had to keep track of our books and return them on time. So, And, I, and I, we didn't have the long CVS receipt printout that no, listed what we no. got either. Go the app to see when the books, the books were due either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just really had to take ownership of your book checkouts. Yeah. We didn't appreciate how complicated that was for mom. <laughs> right. Yes. I... Um, do remember really enjoying a reading challenge. I thought that was great fun, whether it was the summer reading program where you marked off certain squares and certain numbers of books and they got prizes. I know there's a meme going around about the the personal pan pizza from Pizza Hut that you could earn. We also had our reading challenge at our elementary school. And I know I had tons and tons of balloons in my mind it's 100 it maybe was 20 but you know picture the house from up that was yep. me with my little self with all of my colorful balloons and I think that was one of the challenges too where you had a postcard tied on and you were hoping that somebody would yep. find your postcard and return it back so you could see if you were the farthest one um, but things like that are great fun are you the whole thing that being like the house up the up house for sure because you're little like I'm mm-hmm. so it, it, those of you that don't know us in real life I'm six feet tall and you're what five two five three yeah so there's a big height difference and you really did look like you're going to be <laughs> yes, I did <laughs> I did with my feathered hair and my <laughs> outfit with a glitter roller skate on the back jean pocket <laughs> yeah and you know, this was a different time. We know we're not supposed to release balloons with postcards and animals are going to eat them and die. So, th- you know, this is what, the 80s? the 80s? We didn't know better. Mm-hmm. So please don't send PETA after us. Yeah. Now we know better, so we do better. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Maya Angelou. <laughs> yes. How about well, how we were raised with books? How did that impact how you parent around reading and reading books? I know... I've gone with you to the library with the girls. Do they, did they do book contests like we did? Or how does, how does that impact your reading with the girls? Um, we have always gone to the library. They um, both got library cards very early on, you know, maybe five or six. And they were so proud to have their own card and check out the books themselves. And, you know, we still do that when we go. They check out books on their own card rather than using my card. Um, but they, we have never had rules about that. They could check out as many books as they wanted. Um, We do talk about if you check out a book, I'd like you to read that book 
because if you've checked it out, that means someone else won't be able to check it out. Mm -hmm. So definitely read what you check out and then return it quickly and then get more books. That's the joy of the library. So, so it's sort of like um, food. You, you, it's okay to not eat it all, but you have to try it. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> so they can quit a book, right. but they have to try it. Right. Exactly. And um, we still have scholastic book fairs at our schools and the girls will go with their classes. But then there's also a family night when um, we will go and they both are pretty savvy and know that I will not say no to a book. So if they come up to me with a book in hand and say, I'd really like to read this, um, it, it's there's a pretty good chance that I'll say yes and get that for them. Yeah, I, I wish that it wouldn't be weird for like me as a person without kids in elementary school to just show up at a scholastic book fair they I might be flagged in the system <laughs> you would be and generally there's only one uh table for grown-up books and it's mostly cookbooks <laughs> yeah, not interested um so what about reading habits what did your reading look like before kids after kids I mean after kids obviously less time but did you have genre changes budget changes how did that change after kids I do remember growing up you know through high school um that was always, reading was always uh, a favorite activity I had an elementary teacher tell me that she would have a very hard time describing me because I always had my nose in a book when I was done with my work she would say well she has brown hair and it has a part in the middle but that's all I can tell you about her um which teacher was that? Miss Warrens. Oh. <laughs> so, um, you know, when you go to college, I was a business major, so there wasn't a ton of time for fiction reading. When I graduated from college, I know I had some fiction work. Um, I probably read a lot of magazines at that time. Um, but then... Post-college, pre-kids, I would buy a lot of books. Um, you know, I would try and read certain book clubs. You know, at the time, um, I think Oprah was the more popular celebrity book club. I was in a book club at that time, so we would read that. Um, but definitely a lot more purchasing of books as well as going to the library occasionally. Um, after the girls were born, the time that I had to read was diminished. Definitely. The, um, my oldest is going to be 14 here in a week or so. And, um, we, I didn't have a smartphone when she was first born. I didn't have a Kindle on my phone. What did, what did you do in the middle of the night when I, she had to be up? Well, she didn't have to be up, but I don't know. Insert whatever happens with babies. <laughs> We sang, we rocked, but there wasn't a lot of distraction. You know, I didn't want to turn on the TV or turn on music because I was afraid of um, waking up the house. But um, by the time our second was born, um, I did have the Kindle app on my phone. And I do remember um, just tearing through the Hunger Games to the point like I would you know, I was up in the middle of the night with her. And then I realized 45 minutes later, she's fallen back to sleep and I'm still reading. <laughs> so that they, um, Kindle definitely made a big difference in my reading life. Um, I certainly use the library a lot more now. Um, I borrow books from the library to read on my Kindle app. I borrow books to listen on audio, as well as checking out physical copies. Uh, my life doesn't lend itself to sitting in a chair with a physical book right now, although that's really what I would prefer if I had my choice. But 
having books with me, I think makes a big difference so that you can just open up the app and just start reading if you're waiting in line at the grocery store or in a pickup line or something like that. Oh, the pickup lines, man, that's a real, that is a real waiting game. But not audio, right? You're, that's not really your jam. Every now and again, I'll read an audiobook. I find myself very distracted when I'm listening to an audiobook and I'm thinking about what to add to the grocery list or, um, you know, when can I get a walk in that day or I've got to go refill my water bottle, just other things other than what's happening. And I find that I kept having to rewind to figure out what was going on with the plot. And also, I mean, just the short time each year that I get to spend with you guys, you know, long weekends here, a week in the summer, whatever, just there's so much more interruptions mm-hmm. in in your life than than in mine, for sure. So sure. it's hard to do an audio book when you keep having to pause it, True. restart, whatever, yeah. whether it's fiction or nonfiction, I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. And if you have, you know, a five minute drive to school, it's hard to get into a book in five minutes. Pre-COVID, I would read very widely um, fiction, nonfiction, um, maybe books that might challenge me, maybe something that uh, you recommended that wasn't something I would normally pick up. Um, But I have found post-COVID, my brain just doesn't focus as well on more challenging books that, um, you know, I definitely read a ton during COVID for truly for escape. And that has trickled over a little bit. So that's one of the things that I'm hoping to, to get more of this summer is reading more nonfiction, um, starting with some parenting books, as I've got a teen and a tween, I could certainly use a little bit of advice from some mentor moms who've been there. Um, And then hopefully that will continue on out of parenting books and into more, Uh more books about life in general, and some history, things like that. And that's just the stress of the pandemic. That's not even like you had COVID and then you had COVID brain like this is just the pandemic. So if there are other people listening that your reading life has changed or you feel like you have a different brain. Um, I mean, it certainly could be perimenopause uh, for for my brain. Um, But, you know, the COVID pandemic stress, what it does to our hormones, our neurological system, even if you didn't have the actual virus, just living through the pandemic is a big deal. So that's a good call out if anybody else was um, struggling with their brain as well. Um, well, let's talk specific books. So we're going to go back and forth three to five titles of what we've been reading lately could be magazines, books, if you've got newsletters, whatever, would you recommend it or not? We're going to alternate back and forth. And I want to do one shameless plug here before we start and talk about the Sustainable Sue bookmobile. You can sign up at sustainablesue.com slash bookmobile. And whenever I find a five-star book, I will send you an email with a title, description, link to purchase. So if you're ever not sure what to read next or wondering what some um, good books to look for would be, that is a good opportunity for you. So how many books do you have on your list, Oh, I've got three-ish. I have four books and then uh, two authors. Excellent. All right. So why don't you go first? Okay. The first book that I have been talking about nonstop is The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich. 
I'm not quite sure if that's how to pronounce her name, but I am super stingy with stars when I'm rating on Goodreads. Um, and this was a hundred percent five star from really early on in the book. And I just ignored my chores, ignored my family and just <laughs> tore through this book. Um, it was, it was such a powerful book. Anything that is a, what would you do? Yes. It is really fantastic and lends itself to great discussion, whether it's with a book club, with your sister, mm -hmm. with your partner, um, just what would you do? How would you handle this? And this, um, I don't want to give too much of the plot away, but there were several different topics that were like that. Um, and I've talked about it since then. I'm still thinking about it. My mm -hmm. answers flip flop, I you know, know, at the beginning I would a hundred percent do this, but then a couple months later I'm like, no, I don't think I would. I don't think I'd do that at all. Yeah. So um, highly recommend that book. Yeah, I agree. The gist of it is um, everybody in the world gets a box dropped off on their front porch. And in the box is a string. Mm -hmm. And the string length turns out to be correlating to the length of your life. Some people open the box. Some people don't. How do people deal with it and the decisions that they've made? And it goes through every kind of combination, like couples where one opened it, one didn't, couples where one wanted to open it and then didn't, and then they switch plate, like all this stuff. Um, I 100% agree with that one. I love that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you are super stingy with your stars. So a five-star book from you is a big deal. Okay. So the first one on my list is called 11 Rings, The Soul of Success by Phil Jackson. Uh, I like this because I like Phil Jackson's approach. He is an intense competitor, but knows he has to approach teams and players differently. Think of how he had to approach Jordan versus Kobe Bryant and Shaq and the combinations of them. And I'm not gonna lie, I wish I had more emotional intelligence on how to do that. You know, it, managing project teams in my day job, I don't always have different approaches. And sometimes I try to cram that square peg in a round hole. And no matter what of Phil Jackson I'm reading or watching, I feel like I learned something. And of course, we grew up with Chicagoland TV. Ellie and I grew up in the northwest corner of Indiana. And we lived through the two three-peats. So it was really fun to reminisce through that and kind of some um, behind the scenes thing. And I am taking that to dad when I go visit him and he's going to like it too. And the bonus is that I had this as a physical copy that I got at a used book sale and it had a ton of pictures in it. So of the Bulls teams and of course the Lakers teams, but him growing up and I just like memoirs that include photos. So that was a favorite that I've read recently. All right. What's next on your list? Another book that I finished recently was I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot. And I've read a couple of her books and they're just terrific. They're books that make you laugh out loud, make you cry, make you think, and really just terrific books. She's a great author. Yeah, you're really bringing some good books. I'm just kind of talking about what I've read and you're just crushing it. <laughs> this, this is a bad segue because I did not love these next two, but... These were two books that I read that have the theme of they help me accept a genre that I don't love. Because I think part of what part of what is important about finding the books you love is finding out books you don't love. Um, and you've said that about books where like kids are in peril. You know, that's not your jam. Where 
Yeah, yeah. So Homecoming by Kate Morton and The Hour I First Believed by Wally Lamb, they both had really long, sweeping, descriptive sections that made them super long and hard for me to get traction. Like I wasn't sucked into a problem or zippy dialogue or a character that I really liked. They were 550 and 750 pages respectively and just didn't move along quickly if I didn't have large chunks of time to sit down and read. So kind of like what you were saying with the audiobooks, that's how I felt like if I didn't have an hour, then I felt like I wasn't getting into it quickly. So I think I'm just in a season where I need to read things that I can get into and out of if I only have 10 minutes or so. I finished both. So it's not like it was something that I quit. I didn't feel like I needed to DNF it, but my ratings were definitely lower than other people had it on Goodreads. So that's Homecoming by Kate Morton and The Hour I First Believed by Wally Lamb. All right, what is next for you? Um, two books that I've finished reading. I mentioned before that I've been trying to read more nonfiction and starting with parenting books. Love Her Well by Carrie Kampakis and Emotional Lives of Teenagers by Lisa Damore. They both have really practical tips that you can implement right away, help with connection, help with discipline, help with understanding, help you try and really connect with this um, this new person that lives in your home now. Um, and both of these authors have podcasts and um, they also, sometimes the topics are very similar to their chapters and other times they're different or they might have guests as well. So those have been great resources for me lately. Do they give suggestions on like literally words to use for these new creatures in your house? Because yes, that, sometimes I read books like that. And I'm like, well, that's all good theory. But I don't know how to deal with what's outside my door. <laughs> mm -hmm. And also the reassurance, too, that this is developmentally appropriate. And you're, you should not be super concerned when your child wants to go upstairs and be in her room for an hour after school. She doesn't want to sit down with you and have a snack and discuss every moment of her day. And that's okay. It's not a red flag. It's development. But it hurts my feelings. <laughs> God. Oh, man. Solidarity. If people are listening and you uh, have been in this stage of life or going through it right now, let's have a discussion in the social media post or come to the show notes. Because I think that is what sometimes is hard about parenting is that you're the only mom in your house. So you're the, it feels like you're the only person going through this because you are in your house. But I mean bazillions of women lived through this over the course of time and we didn't eat our children. They didn't. So I guess we can't. I don't. Well, here's my last book. And it's um, the title is The Exiles, <laughs> which is a really bad segue. For, this is not about banishing your teenage daughters <laughs> off the island. Um, the author of this book is Jane Harper. And I have read books of hers before. And they all take place in Australia. Have you read any of hers? Like The Dry? The, I was just going yeah. to say, she's the author of The Dry, right? Yes. I have not. Yeah. And it's one of those series where, like, Australia is a character of its own. She's very descriptive about the weather and the landscape and all that stuff. Um, so, that, like, the location's almost its own character. And the pace of them is very slow because she takes so much time to 
talk about Australia. But I like her characters, so I just need to remember that if I've had two books in a row, like the one I just talked about that were slow, I should not follow it with one of hers, even if it comes up in the library. That's the one thing about library holds is sometimes I think, oh, I wouldn't read these two together or I need a palate cleanser after this, um, you know, whatever it might be. But anyway, the library is the library and it's free, so I will take them as they come. They come. And like we talked about last night, one of the great things about the library app is that you can put your book on hold. You can say, you know, I'm not quite ready to read this yet. And you can extend your hold seven or 14 days and perhaps you'll be might be ready to read it when it comes back up. Yeah, the deliver later feature. Mm -hmm. Deliver later. All right. Go ahead and rapid fire anything else that you've got on your literary life lately list. Um, I have two authors that are just always great books for me. Catherine Center and Christina Lauren. Christina Lauren is actually two writers that write under one pen name. They, um, you know, are always fun reads. The characters are ones that you want to be friends with. There's snappy dialogue. Sometimes there's spicy scenes. Um, Just really great books. I hate to call them beach reads because I read them all year round, but I can always count on a book from one of those authors to be one that I'm going to. Oh, that's good. And Christina Lauren, if I read, if, if that's what I'm thinking of, like they will email back and forth and build the story together. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you write this half and I write that character. It, mm-hmm. It's back and forth. So their process is, sounds pretty process sounds pretty good too. I think we covered it. I think we did. Excellent. Well, we also want to hear what you all are reading in your life lately. So like I said, come find us on the social media post at Sustainable Sue or on the website sustainablesue.com. Until we meet next week, remember to create productive results in a way that you can sustain and that are productive for you. Thanks for listening. All right, Elle, let's go get the girls in our books and head to the pool. You have just listened to the Sustainable Productivity Podcast. If you liked what you heard, you might like what you read. Come to sustainablesue.com to read more and subscribe to have the weekly message sent to your inbox. You can also get show notes, including links to things discussed in the episode there, sustainablesue.com. Consider sharing this episode with a friend. The more you share the message about sustainable productivity, the more we can create a world where we are all more engaged in our lives. Keep going, friends. As Devin Durant says, small efforts sustained over time can produce significant results. Have a good week.